Welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on French science, spirituality, and claims <laughs> to the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yeah, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy. And I'm Ross Blotcher. And uh, we are back at CDP2, day two. Part two. Part two. No, part one of day de, two. De. The only part of day two. Lethal weapon part two. Our fourth day of CDPing. Our fourth across two years so far yeah are you all confused i'm confused (laughs) if you uh if you're just joining us on this investigation go back you don't want this you need to go back (laughs) to the very beginning of our out-of-body experience classes and catch up. welcome to the show we're glad to have you this makes no sense though yeah unless you absolutely get that expository introduction yes so here we are we're back at the International Academy of Consciousness. For the Consciousness Development Protocol? Program? <laughs> Pro- Program. And uh, what year is this? 2016. 2016, still before our lives were torn asunder. Thank you to everybody who volunteered to be the new Ross, but it turned out I Ross is fine. survived. Yeah. The beard eventually did get shaved. <laughs> All right, and we're back. Woo-hoo. And then it was day two. Day two. We came back. We went back. Traffic was awful. But we were back. We were back. We were early. Yes. We were the first ones there again. Yes. We're very prompt. And Eddie was there. Eddie. Yeah. Eddie. I, was, I was like, wow. Like after 14 months of us being gone, taking this rarely scheduled class, I was really expecting to have all new instructors and for things to feel different. It felt like going right back home. And he remembered us. Yeah, at first he was like, oh, nice to see you. And yeah, I could already tell he was kind of looking at us a little quizzically. He said, oh, you took this class before, didn't you? And, yeah. Oh, we were, I was impressed. Yeah, I was too. Yeah, I like him. He's got kind of a, a friendly, professorial, he's having fun with it. Yeah, yeah. He's got a natural teaching style for sure. Totally. What did he have to tell us? So let's see. First, he started talking about when you're thinking of someone, you're sending them energy. That's a real interaction. Right. Uh, which is kind of an interesting stance. He said, like, this is proven by science. I'm not just saying, like, when you're thinking of someone, that's nice. I'm saying, like... You're making an energetic connection. Right. A real thing is happening there. And Rupert Sheldrake studied this, and Mm -hmm. he did a specific study on sisters who could tell who was calling 40% of the time. The Nolan sisters, yeah, and this is where we get to, like, these small margins. Like, hey, look, actually, I gotta say, that's much better than chance, Mm -hmm. but later on, we have even thinner margins. I noticed that he said thosinizing instead of thosinating, because we had heard thosinating before, and he said thosinizing. Okay. Interesting. I wrote down that annoying woman, Judy, she arrived at 1.18, so 18 minutes late. Uh She had told Laura that she was going to be there early to take some of Laura's notes down from the first class for what she missed. So Laura had come early to let her take her notes. I was almost tempted to say like, oh, you could check my notes. But then I realized I talk about how annoying you are. And you're like making fun of stuff. Uh (laughs) Um, (laughs) He also... Quoted the whole like attracts like thing and the law of attraction. Law of attraction so yep. this is all accepted knowledge. So right. I'm just going to throw that out there. But was willing to say it's a distortion of the law of attraction to say something like other people in Africa, you know, just don't want food enough, that kind of thing, mm. which is, you know, what really rubs me the wrong way about yeah. the law of attraction. So I was like, okay, I'm glad you can at least acknowledge that. Fatal flaw there. Yeah. 
Now, this was interesting. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, he revealed that he himself had worked at the Paralab at Princeton. Yes. The P-E-A-R, a.k.a. the Pear. Making it very confusing. Is it the Pear Lab or the Paralab? Anyway... It's a parapsychology lab. Yeah. So um, he had actually participated in studies and he told this whole inside baseball thing about how it got shut down and he named the administrator who was really against all our research. And, and I'm thinking like, well, why didn't you guys send those scenes his way? Yeah. To influence him. <laughs> it's a really exciting that story. That would have been a really good experiment for you all to influence <laughs> the, the dean. True. And he's an electrical engineer. And so it sounded like a lot of their protocols had to be designed so as not to sound too parapsychological. Right. But yep. that like their real purpose was parapsychology. But yeah, we noticed this in the first class as well, that Eddie can really talk science and yeah. he gets it, you know? Yeah. He knows how science works. Yep. Um, no dum Yeah, and so he was talking about these experiments, again, ones that he'd participated in, and apparently they went on for like 20 years. Right. He would say, well, you could do a coin flip and then test probability that way, but we want to do it faster than that. So we have computers that can generate just one and zero sequences right. at random. At random, you should get about 50-50, but we'll have people then focus on, and I had to clarify this, you know, you can focus on making more ones or more zeros in a given sequence. And he said they can affect it by like, three or four percent no not three or four percent three out of ten thousand out of ten thousand was it yes people changed three out of ten thousand bits okay i had a question mark on my note so i wasn't sure that's why i three or four digits out of ten thousand yeah oh that's noise yeah that's why he said now this is a very small change but it's a real change and it's something we should be impressed by and that's when i said is it <laughs> and then he was even talking about p values like okay we're talking the same language here right but then his knowledge of p i mean his his explanation of how the p value works got a little weird at the yeah. end well yeah because then he was saying like oh but we repeated it so many times that actually the chances are one in trillions that it yeah, would happen that's not by how chance. That works. no i don't think your p is over 0. 0.05 no it's not that's not how that works yeah but yeah three out of ten thousand bits Oh, I didn't hear the 10,000 thing. Wow. Okay. That's nothing. I can That's s- literally nothing. I can see why the administrators maybe uh, shut down the experiment. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. That's then- one way to test things. But yeah, then, uh, you know, my thought is, okay, so you have computers generating these random digits. How are you making that connection then with them? Like none of us know the internal workings of a computer. And he kind of addressed that. He said, oh, well, I mean, we lift our arms all the time and, you know, all kinds of chemical signals just got sent and muscles are contracting and you don't know how all that works, but you can still do it Mm -hmm. in the same way you can affect this uh, computer. All right. Sure. Great. Now, did he say at one point that mice can change the color of their coats overnight? (laughs) <laughs> did he I yeah don't... during this point i was still writing down what he said uh, the the crazy thing about the p value becoming one in a trillion yeah i was writing that down as he was saying something about mice changing their coats overnight and, yeah. I, and then i wrote down mice can change their coats overnight wait what <laughs> i didn't fully get that conversation i just remember that laura kind of picked up on something he'd said and said like oh well that's kind of like the lamarckian effect and so it was something where animals could with their 
thosines or their thoughts or whatever, they could affect changes down the line. So it did kind of sound Lamarckian, oh, and she okay. was commenting on that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know about the changing their coats colors, though. Okay, weird. There were more people there this time. Yeah, two more ladies had shown up, but now there was a male instructor, and it all worked out so that it was still the same ratio of men to women. Well, one woman in the audience said, just offhandedly said, it's been proven plants have feelings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Swept that right back. Hey, it's been proven. And then Eddie said, yeah, some people have broken down in the forest with us because they've connected with plants while on our field trips and they just start crying. We're like, oh, oh, all right. All right. Eddie also mentioned another class that he teaches called Consciousness and Physical Reality. Yes. Yeah, we want to take that great. one. Ooh. Yeah, that's all more about, about the connection, the mind and body. Yeah, and how we can affect computers. Right? <laughs> yes. He tells us there are no angels, just consciousness. Right. Uh, and so he says, oh, that's God is the same thing. You know, all of these consciousnesses that we can interact with. And all consciousness is made of the same stuff as me. Some might be more mature, but like God, Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, angels, they're all made of the same stuff as me. So it's weird. We're still like in this little classroom with the drop tile ceiling and the instructor with the powder blue button up shirt. Yeah. You know, it all feels just so clinical. And yet they're giving this you is this theology. Yeah, they're giving you this replacement theology. Yeah. Which is it's interesting because it kind of explains everything. It's kind of doing what the SRF is doing with mm -hmm. being like, you know, oh, this is all religions. We're explaining them all, how they can all be explained by the same kind of base phenomenon and how like, oh, you see Buddha and I see Jesus. That's because the same spirits are just manifesting to us in different ways based on what we're expecting to see. Anyways, this felt very similar to that. And I will say almost kind of compelling to me. Like if I were going to uh -huh. believe in a spirituality, this is probably the most sensible thing I could lock onto to explain all these phenomena. Yeah, this felt very natural to me and like the way I almost naturally thought of the world mm. earlier in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. He said there are no demons, as in there's no creatures who are pure evil. There are just creatures who have sort of chosen poorly or make bad decisions. The same way there are no quote-unquote evil people. There are people who like choose badly, we might think of as evil, but it's not like they're made of evil stuff. Yeah, it's weird because he was trying to quell concerns from the audience about, you know, demons and stuff to be afraid of when you're astral traveling. And yet at the same time, he would admit like, yeah, there's people out there to mess around and make things worse. But, you know, if you're not afraid of them, it'll be fine. And he told this whole story about how he was astral traveling and he saw something that kind of scared him and he overreacted. Right. And he sent out a huge burst of energy like a peacock. Yeah. I put up my energy to scare this person off and I realized later it was someone who probably needed my help. Right. And I felt bad. And he scared them off. And when people have scary OBEs, it's usually that they just don't understand what's going on. And you know, people were afraid of the moon until they went to the moon and it was fine. <laughs> See, there per you go. Perfect analogy. Um, okay, so, but then <sighs> yeah. Laura is like, well, okay, but one time I invited a spirit into my body. Oh, no. Um, I felt like I was going to have an OBE. I was trying to have one. And I knew that there was the spirit there. And I thought to kind of kick myself over into the OBE, I was like, sure, come on into my body. But it turned out that it was what I call a trickster spirit. And it comes in and it felt like I was being spiritually raped. 
And I was stuck there. I couldn't move and it just like wouldn't leave. It couldn't get it out of me. And I was just being completely overcome by it. And it was very violent, very brutal. Now, I'm, I'm chuckling not because of this story, which sounds horrific, but because of Eddie's response to it, which is immediately saying, well, with sleep paralysis. And like he starts explaining sleep paralysis and she's like, no, no, that's no. not what this was. No, no, sir. I know yeah. sleep paralysis. Yeah, he immediately is like, okay, so there's a physiological component to what you're just talking about. So 25% of people have experienced sleep paralysis. Yep, that's called sleep paralysis. It's where you have a REM intrusion that creates a micro dream. Your body is still frozen. And And Judy kind of chimed in. I think she was a little offended as well. Like, no, you're trying to explain this away. Right. And so, yeah, they both get like pretty haughty and uh, hurt that he could be suggesting that this is anything but a spiritual rape. And she's, (laughs) Laura says, well, so are you saying that there aren't bad spirits like that, 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 that this just doesn't exist? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about how there are. (laughs) That's what this talk is about. And she scoffs. Oh, and then, like, sits back in her chair. It's always interesting to see two different forms of unprovable beliefs collide with each other. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, he just told you, like, no, he agrees it could have been that. He's yeah. He's just suggesting this is one thing to rule out. I, I remember when you first responded with the sleep paralysis thing, I was thinking, oh, it's a little tone deaf, buddy, the way you're responding yeah. to a very harrowing story. Uh, but oh, well, we all uh, ended up friends. Yeah. This is where he then gave this explanation of incubi and succubi and the night hag and the right. witches, all these other explanations. Queen happened with you. Uh, yeah, cultural explanations that we have for the same phenomena, these right. uh, hypnagogic and hypnopompic. If anyone out there has had a similar experience, there is a physiological explanation for this truly harrowing yeah. thing. It's a real experience. Yeah. And I'm sure... I don't know if we said it before, but like, I believe that these are real experiences that you can have. Oh, yeah. Like this astral traveling and everything. So I don't doubt the experience. I think our only quibble is going to be over the underlying physical reality. Right. Are we talking about just really weird kind of side effects of how a brain works? Right. The most complicated machinery we know of? Or is it saying something about the astral realm and the underlying magical reality of everything? Yeah, and he did say, um, I think he was kind of trying to offer her an olive branch. He said, and you know, people with psychic abilities often do get shamed into being silent about them. So that's not what I'm trying to do here. Mm. So I thought that was very nice. She had the final word. She said that she has spirit guides that have helped her and make her feel more confident now. Okay, good. Then we heard about how some people go through the death process but get stuck. And of course, we don't call it death. We call it the first desoma. (laughs) Sure. Oh, yeah, that's right. I looked at you and laughed. Yeah, Yeah, because why not? There's a little graph and it's, you know, the same lady twice, but one is slightly elevated and glowier and a little transparent. And so the first lady is the Soma. And then the the little glowy lady, she's the uh, well psychosoma, and she's got a hollow chakra. That's the glowy thing around her. Mm-hmm. And the silver cord between them has been severed. Oh, boy. Oh, no. It's discontiguous. It's ruptured. That's the term they use. And so now she has undergone the first desoma. Man, this is feeling Scientology-like, all this new terminology. Uh, So she's died, essentially. That's how we would say that. Uh, Or (laughs) experienced a deactivation of the soma, however you want to uh, communicate that concept. 
I did notice that Irma on the first day was talking about her mother and she said, my mom died. Not really. She went through the death process. And at the time I was like, what does that mean? How do you, how do you not really die but go through the death process? But it was because oh she was like hanging around. Oh yeah, that was another term Eddie used for uh, the first DeSoma, which was like having an out-of-body experience with no return ticket. And what's the second disoma? That's the actual moving on? Yeah, so so that's the deactivation of the hollow chakra or the energosoma or where you just have a psychosoma, essentially. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I'm glad we could clarify this. So yeah, some people get stuck after the first disoma and don't complete the second, and that's how you get mm. all of these things like uh, poltergeist Hauntings. and ghosts. And uh, have you seen The Sixth Sense? Yes. Because uh, otherwise, plug your ears if you haven't. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna spoil this movie from uh, well over a decade ago. Bruce Willis was ghost all along. Yep, it's true. He hadn't uh, gone through the second desoma. I love too how they talk about these movies as if they're real examples of life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Someone made a movie of this that proves it. Right. No, it doesn't. Though I will say, Sixth Sense is a fantastic movie. Yeah, I like the Sixth Sense a lot too. Maximum Fun's new sci-fi comedy podcast, Bubble, is coming to San Diego Comic-Con on July 21st. At 1 p.m., Bubble cast members Travis McElroy, Cristela Alonzo, Eliza Skinner, Allison Becker, Mike Mitchell, Jordan Morris, and Danielle Radford will be signing autographs. Tickets are required, but free. Then at 5 p.m., the cast will participate in a panel moderated by Jesse Thorne, held at the San Diego Central Library. For more information, visit MaximumFun.org slash SDCC. Okay, so you also talked about loaded OBEs. That means you have heavy energy and you can't get away from your body. Okay. You've had one of those, right? Wait, say it again. Loaded OBE. You have heavy energy and you can't get far away from your body. Like you can't get... Oh, yeah. More than a couple of feet from it. Right. So I have had some close to out of body experiences. Twice I can really say that I was visualizing getting away from my body. One time I was just in that super tired state where, like, I'm just so exhausted, but really my mind still felt alert, but I could just feel my body just kind of fading. It's like you just have to run for the bed because this is your last act before your body just kind of shuts itself down. Jesus. And, yeah. You haven't experienced that? It happens to me rarely, but it's kind of a cool feeling. Like you feel your body just sort of fading away, but Jeez, like my no. mind is still going. And and I did that once. I laid down and immediately I could feel the, the astral body, for lack of a better term, just kind of pop back up and, and get up. And I and I was so excited because this was after we'd taken the first class sometime, you know, months later, but in between. And yeah, so I kind of leapt out of my body. And I got like one step and then zoop, it just got Whoa, sucked right back in. That's crazy. But I was like, oh man, keep going. But yeah, I totally had that sensation. Oh, that's amazing. And there was another time I was staying, it was somewhere other than my own home. I was at a hotel or something, but it was a similar experience. I was in a similar tired state. Again, it felt dreamy, but I really felt like I got out of my body. I walked over to the door and I remember I was thinking about like negotiating, how do I get through or past the door? And that's when I felt myself shoot back to my body. How many of these have you had? Two. Oh, those are them. And that was amazing. I was like, oh my goodness, I got so far. Like, 
I felt like I got to the other side of the room. But then I think as I was worried about how to get past the door, I was saying like, oh, no, am I going to be imagining what's on the other side because uh-huh. I can't see it? Or is it going to be real? And I think I was just overthinking it. Hmm. And then I was like, curses. I wanted to keep going. For you, they're kind of different from lucid dreams or like from yeah. narrative lucid dreams. Yeah, that second one, I can't say how far into the dream state I was, but uh-huh. I clearly remember that sensation. Huh. And yeah, it was awesome. And that's how I know like, oh man, this stuff can actually happen with enough practice. It's probably something you can control and do yeah. on a fairly regular so basis. Cool. And I totally want to. It's, Me too. It's, we talked about at the end of the, the second class, another thing that I experienced on a semi-regular basis. And that's where the alarm goes off. And in my mind, I get up and I start doing my daily routine, brushing my teeth and getting ready. And then I realize, oh, shoot, I'm actually still in bed. Oh, huh. But like I've mentally, I've thought I've actually done this stuff. And I have to question, wait, did I get up and brush my teeth? Uh-huh. And so I asked Eddie if this is, if that counts. And he said, yeah, it's kind of like a light version of an OBE, but definitely we count it as that. When you said that, I couldn't really think of a time I, I had had that experience. But just the other day after that. I had a full dream, then had like thought I woke up, rolled over and told Drew about the dream, Mm. then was aware I hadn't done that, that I had just dreamed about rolling over and told him. You've done it. Then was like, I got to tell him for real, rolled over and told him. Yeah, sometimes you do it like two times. I did that like two or three times. And then finally it was like, none of this is real. Tell him in real life. (laughs) And then like finally was able to like wake myself up and be like, drow, I'm telling you for real about my dream. (laughs) <laughs> did and I don't even remember what and he missed was. the whole setup so yeah. he's like what is wrong with you <laughs> and he was like okay that's okay good dream good dream babe so yeah that's kind of the entirety of my experience with that personal uh, sensations well did you know that living the OBE life makes you very cognizant of death so you're always facing it and you're prepared for it so you're unafraid of it and you don't find yourself suddenly terrified that you didn't live your life so yeah, essentially, uh, people who do OBEs are the best people. Yeah, this is very subtly becoming our religion. Yeah, it's got a lot of the pieces there. Yeah. So, okay, pretty soon after this, it starts becoming about the helpers, right? Mm-hmm. So the helpers are very interesting characters that become very important to this whole process. Yeah. Who are the helpers? So, well, a helper is really the same as a spirit guide for the James Von Prague fans out there and... Other spiritualists use that term. And it's also like the ascended masters that you learn about in theosophy and I guess really the uh, Aetherius Society. Society. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're just these beings who are between lives, we learned. And so they have lived before. They've gone through the cycle many times. And now they are kind of in a period between lives. And they're just a lot higher in their personal evolution. They could be alive today. It's just unlikely. Right. Uh, yeah, that's and true. The extra physical. Yeah, you, Carrie, could go out and help other people right now. That's true. But uh, yeah, then he painted like kind of another graph later that showed this sort of decreasing frequency of actually materializing into a body. And eventually you do leave the whole cycle and you stop coming back as a living being. Yeah, and you, again, you that's just like the SRF. You evolve out of the cycle. Yeah, yeah. But in the meantime, yeah, these are the things that can help you, these uh, helpers. It was interesting. He was saying they could help like with any place like where there's learning going on or there's a hospital, like any place that people need help. 
Right. These helpers will, be, will sort of congregate and they'll be there and available. Nonprofits. Nonprofits will have their own helpers. Yeah. And even little schools where you learn to go out of body. Right. So we can connect with our helpers there. And then annoying woman, Judy, uh, <clears throat> announces that she's an empath. And um, since she's an empath, she's had to learn like not to take on other people's feelings too much because she just... She sucks it up too much and it becomes like her own pain. <laughs> so how does she um, balance that with being a helper to the helpers? <laughs> um, you know, and he was just basically like, oh, you know, keep on keeping on if that's what you need to do. Like, right. whatever. We don't I mean, and just, just don't freak out on me. <laughs> right. He was also saying that that we can really help those people who are stuck between the first and second desoma, so we can be their helpers. And that's why he had felt bad energetically scaring this one person because he realized later on, like, oh, they needed my help to maybe move past that second desoma. And it kind of reminded me of baptism for the dead, that, you know, you kind of need to go through this process Mm, to help people in the afterlife to achieve their next step. You're talking about the Mormon baptism for the dead. Right, Mormon baptism for the dead. Yeah, and it was interesting. He was also saying that hell doesn't exist, but that people can create hell for themselves as a thocene. So if that's what they're expecting, or if they're in such a bad mental state, then they will tell themselves that they are in hell, and they are. Oh, wow. Clap, 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 clap. <laughs> oh, I did write down that, that Eddie was so good at dealing with intense questions. I guess at this point, you're right that like the spiritual rape thing, he might have been like a little tone deaf. But Judy at this point said that she had once felt like she needed an exorcism, that she deals with a lot of like spiritual intruders, right. but now she feels protected. You know, he was just like so gentle at dealing with that and just making hmm. her feel kind of normal with that. I just felt like, oh, you're a, you're a good dude for not like <laughs> making her feel other, you know, with this like pretty wild stuff she's saying. Totally. You know? Yeah, there was a lot of talk about intruders and he made a diagram on the board about the different types of intruders. There's the unconscious and the intentional. So we've kind of talked about the unconscious. They're not aware that they're intruding. They're just doing their thing that's kind of programmed in and they don't know better whereas the intentional ones are it's a negative symbiosis and uh, somebody who's a trickster i guess if you will and maybe they encourage someone to keep smoking and it's interesting it's kind of sounded like you know what i don't know the little church ladies when i was growing up would all ascribe to demons like oh they're trying to tempt you to do this or do that Mm, yeah and he even said oh we need to be careful not to try to blame everything bad in our lives on intruders or negative spirits. And then he talked about the blind guide. That's someone who uh, may think they're helping you, but they're not really. Yeah, this is interesting. Yeah, like the grandma who comes to you and like, oh, don't date that girl. She's not one of us. She's not Italian. Right, right. And you're like, oh, that's racist, grandma spirit. Right. Go away. Right. I think that's like a really a more mature way of thinking of the spirit world. That like the spirit world can just be wrong. Yeah. 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 It's kind of really interesting and feels a little novel to me. Because as they were saying earlier, usually when people talk about the spirit world, it's like, well, this is what the spirit's saying. They must know. But yeah, this idea that like, no, sometimes they're just as dumb as you or dumber. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then that's good. Then you can disregard... Right. Stuff that comes to you, even if it is from a, Your a extra f- physical source. Right. Right. See, we learned that. Oh, and then uh, Judy said that one intruder was trying to keep her from taking this course. What? Yeah. Okay. Well, 
failed. Yeah, Eddie immediately tried to just redirect and be like, okay, well, let's try to get back to the class topic. Oh, we learned if you want to discourage negative spirits, you can keep your house in good order because, yeah, they like an energy that kind of resonates with them. And so they'll, you know, stick around if you've got a disordered house or a poorly lit house. Oh, okay. So, yeah, if you keep things clean and nice and fresh, then, yeah, they're not going to want to stick around. Okay, good to know. Here's a really interesting point that I was I really enjoyed talking to Eddie about. He said that a lot of these entities will take on different forms depending on who's looking at them. So a lot like in contact. Right. Like uh, as you may recall, the alien takes Which is on true because it's a movie. Right. The alien takes on the form of Jodie Foster's dad because that's who she will respond the most positively to. Mm-hmm. Similarly, here, the helpers or other um, extra physical entities will take on the form of someone who's familiar to us or comforting to us. So maybe a spirit will take on the form of Jesus for me because I grew up with the idea of Jesus. Right. But let's say you grew up Buddhist, hypothetically, might take on the form of Buddha for you, right? So I'm thinking about this and then I say, well, hang on, Eddie. Then how would Ross and I ever corroborate anything? Because... If we go to the same room and he sees Buddha and I see Jesus, right? how are we ever going to... He had an answer for he that. He had a good answer. Yeah, he said, well, they can only project one form at a time. So if you and I were there at the same time, well, we'd get to find out who was right, whether it was Jesus or Buddha. Right. So it's not about the lens. It's not about me seeing it. They literally take that form. Right. Yeah. Then you so find out really whether it's salt or sugar. Right. <laughs> that was a really interesting uh, yeah, totally. A little exchange there. So he said some of the beings you run into, about half of them are neutral. They're just there. They're not trying to interrupt you. They're just in your space. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like real life. Uh-huh. He did say yeah. that some of the negative influential bodies out there can influence crime rates. He actually oh, said okay. that. And I was like, oh, okay. Yikes. That sounds measurable, but not. Uh-huh. Mostly not. Mostly not. <laughs> we learned some characteristics of the extra physical helpers. They will give you a heightened awareness. They will be unbiased, meaning that they are tuned in with cosmo ethics. <laughs> New word. Have a knowledge of our existential program. The existential program is kind of what you're meant to do with your life. Mm-hmm. And so they will know that about you somehow. Right. Because there's like a dossier on you in the uh, extra physical realm. They'll have a respect for our free will and won't pressure impose anything on us. They never waste conscientious resources and contacting them generates an increase in our lucidity and rationality. They also have a good sense of humor and see the good in everyone. Oh, well, that's nice. So there you go. That's how you know an extra physical helper. All right. If they're funny. Here are some new words, Ross. Okay, let's hear them. Xenothocenes. Xenothocenes. Those are thocenes that are outside ourselves, of course. I'm glad there's a word for that. Penta. That's a personal energetic task. It's a time some people set aside daily to be there for (laughs) the helpers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. He even had a little chart of how often we interact with these various forces. So, yeah, you're right. Neutral was like half of the time. Right. And maybe a quarter was the unconscious intruders. Mm -hmm. And then the intentional intruders were maybe like eh, 15, 20%. And then the rest, the smaller percentage were helpers. Okay. So glad we have that breakdown. Shut up, 2016 Carrie. I got something to say. It's 2018 Carrie coming at you. With a Jumbotron. With a Jumbotron. 
Yeah, from Riley to Jasmine. And Riley says, hey, cute stuff. Bet you weren't expecting this for your birthday. Well, joke's on you. It's also our one-year anniversary. You've come so far this last year, and I can't wait to see what the future holds. And what better way to express this than through Ross and or Carrie, our favorite dorks. Hey, here's to more video games, podcasts, and fun. Love you. That's really sweet. Yeah. But also, I see that it appears Jasmine's birthday is July 15th. Very good birthday. Not quite as good as July 13th, but a solid birthday. That's your birthday. Yeah. Happy Mm -hmm. birthday. Stop. Thank you. We also have another Jumbotron from Jean to Lev. And Jean says, we've been married for six years, and it's by far the best decision I've ever made. If you remember... This time last year, we were wandering in the Lustgarten in Berlin, listening to the Onrack Scientology investigation. Even though I'm stuck in Berlin without you this year, it doesn't mean I'm not thinking of and missing you. I love you lots. Sweet, Jean. I think their anniversary must be on July 15th. Oh, yeah? Well, because they asked for this. As close to? As close to July 15th as possible. As did the last Jumbo Yes, very suspicious. I don't think this can be a coincidence. Synchronicity. Did you see that owl just fly by? Yeah, that's Whoa. weird because I've never seen an owl right there with its face pressed against the window. That's weird. Exactly. Huh. Whew. Anyways, back well, to anyway, our back investigation. To our so at 3.23, a new woman joined us. So people are coming in who have taken the classes before or even people who volunteer there who are just coming in because they know that an exercise is coming up and mm-hmm. they just want to keep flexing that muscle. And once you're a member of the IAC, you can show up whenever you need to. Yep, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So this is another woman over 50. So everyone there besides you and me is a woman over 50. Yeah. yeah, and the instructor. And the instructor. Oh, there was another interesting point about uh, people projecting their psychic energies. We were talking about, well, what if you don't recognize somebody? He was saying that even if I project myself as a leopard, you're still going to know, oh, that hey, me. that's you, Eddie. Because, yeah, you'll know like their signature. There's like an energy signature and you just can't right. change that. And I asked if it's like when I have a dream and it's like, my mom was in the backseat of the car. She looked like Cindy Lauper, but I swear it was my mom. And uh-huh. he said, yeah, it's exactly like that. Yeah. Actually, that was a pretty clever tie-in. I like that. Because, I mean, I've definitely, have you had that experience? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah. So it was Mark Hamill, but really it was my neighbor, Steve. Right. Yeah. You exactly. understand. Well, I did. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You even had a story about that, how like a trickster had come to him and tried to say that they were something else. He's like, no, I know. I know you're not that. Oh, said that it was a police officer. Oh, yeah. And then he said, like, there are no police officers in the energy realm. And then they, like, called you bluff. And they're like, oh, shoot. And then they left. Yeah, yeah, it took off their policeman's cap or something. (laughs) So weird. So then we went into a clairvoyance energy exercise. Woohoo. So first we did our VLO, our favorite mother of all exercises. Yeah, so you imagine that ball of energy at the top of your head and it just passes down to your toes and back to your head and down to your toes and, and back to your head. And this time you can picture it. Yay. Yeah, Eddie um, will let you. And then we did a chakra circuit. Easy for you to say. <laughs> so that's where you send some energy from the third eye chakra to your crown chakra in a little circle loop. Um, yeah. You just do that over and over. That was fun. Yeah, that feels good. And your eyes are closed that whole time. You're in the dark. Mm-hmm. And then finally, you ah, open your eyes. Facial clairvoyance. And you look at Eddie, and he's sitting in a chair in the front in the pitch black dark. And you pick a spot on his face. Well, it's not pitch black, it's dim. Okay. 
very, very dark. And you pick a spot on his face Mm -hmm. and you stare at that spot and you're not supposed to look away from that spot. You're only looking with your periphery at any of the other spots on his face. Right. So even if you're tempted, even if you see like squiggly lines on other parts of his face. No, stay fixed on the same spot. Don't you dare look at those squiggly lines because they'll go away. So I chose his left eye. I chose his left ear. Oh, that's right. You hadn't done this before because in the first class we took, I think you had to leave slightly early that day. Okay, and that's why I didn't remember Yeah, it. we did this exercise with the pretty lady. Okay. Um, but yeah, now we got to do it again with Nelson. This is fun because your eyes start <sighs> doing things. Of course. When you stare at the same thing. Like, I've noticed this from countless sermons I've sat through, uh-huh. you know, with like a guy preaching in front of a white wall. Yeah. And you stare at him long enough and you start to see colors and uh-huh. halos around him because your brain, like... When it sees the same thing, it starts doing crazy shit. Or, you know, that picture of the American flag that's a bunch of crazy colors, but then you stare at it long enough, then you look at a white wall and it becomes the American flag. Yeah, you get the opposite colors. Yeah, yeah. Because your eyes starts, yeah, compensate. That's really what's happening. The the better explanation than crazy shit is when you stare at the same thing long enough, your brain starts to pump in the opposite color to neutralize it. Counter information. Yeah. And that's how we kind of white balance everything so well, so quickly, you know, and cameras have a hard time with it because we're doing all this with our brains. And so, yeah, we're sitting in the dark and we're staring at his one feature of him. And of course, like he's going to start shifting and doing weird things because Mm -hmm. that's what brains do. Right. And you're keeping your eyes fixated in this one spot. So by not looking around, your eyes have no chance of like taking in the extra information and going, oh, okay, there's that shape. I'm going to readjust. I'm going to make sense of this other spot I already saw. You're giving it no more info. You're like, you're sticking with this. Yeah, yeah. And just keep taking in that input and layer it on top of everything else. Now, this is a just legit cool thing. So do it with a friend. Mm -hmm. Go sit in the dark room and stare at each other. Yeah. So for me, like the side of his... Head like starts getting wavy a bit. Yeah. His, his face kind of gets like super dark and then a little lighter, super dark, a little lighter. Yeah. His skin would like turn black mm-hmm. and then he'd fade back into me being able to see him. I described later that every now and then I would see him kind of jitter and he's uh-huh. like, Oh, and it was right around the time I said this, I was intentionally trying to move myself. So maybe you saw it. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> and sure. I was like, Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So yeah, his claim is that we're psychically connecting more uh, in those moments, and so we're able to use our clairvoyance to see his psychic self there. Sure. Yeah, Yeah. and this is where you're just inviting people in the audience to say crazy things, myself included. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I was staring at your eye, and for a while, like, it turned, like, magenta and green, and it looked back at me. (laughs) True, yeah, and I threw it out there, and everyone's like, yeah, good job. (laughs) And then we did another velo. Then he taught us some out-of-body techniques, taught us concentration. He said to, like, put a candle on a table. And then you just kind of sit in the chair and you fixate on the candle and you keep like imagining yourself going out and reaching out to snuff it out. Right. But you want to sit far enough away that you couldn't physically do that. You'd have to get up and walk toward it. You couldn't just reach out. So the idea is in order to do that, you'd have to send your spiritual body to do it. Right. And then another one is to, this is the projective reflection 
uh, with a mirror. So I you, like the idea of this one. Yeah, this is cool. So you stand like, you know, quite a few feet away from a mirror and then you see your reflection looking back at you and then you put your mind into your reflection. And so you you try to perceive from the location where you you see your reflection at right. as being. That's me. Yeah. My so mind that, is there instead of here. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so then, and then like you do some movements. So maybe you wiggle your nose or you open your jaw a little and you're very consciously and slowly doing these things, but you're thinking like, yeah, that I'm controlling it over there. That's me opening my jaw. That's me wiggling my nose. The reflection is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then another one is counting steps. I like this one too. Yeah, this is just getting this last like super familiar with the layout of your own house Space. room. Yeah, so you count the steps that it takes to get to the lamp, and then you turn right, and how many steps does it take you to get to the sofa? And just so later on, you kind of have these markers to let you know, like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to go, or this is the size of the space. So for me, I was counting the steps to my bathroom sink from the bed, and I would think, okay, not just it's 10 paces to the sink, but also, okay, at three paces, I'm almost at the door. And to my left is the Sound of Young America poster. And to my right is this mirror. Okay, at five paces, the bookcase is to my left. And oh, I can feel the soft wood under my feet. So each pace like has its own and I would um, say the, the rational reason that might work is that it's just priming you to have a much stronger mental image yeah. later on. Oh, yeah, for sure. Then he taught us some breathing techniques, and this is the oxygen deprivation that they had right. told us about. So one is this. This is where I'm starting to get excited. I'm like, oh, here's what I actually came here for. <laughs> yeah, she's starting to hyperventilate and yeah. lose oxygen. <laughs> one is the CO2 technique where it's this complicated chart he drew out with numbers, but essentially like you breathe in for one second, you hold it for four seconds, and then you breathe out for two seconds, and then you step it up. And so you breathe for two seconds, and then you multiply that by four. So now you hold it for eight seconds, and then you divide that by two, and you exhale for four seconds. It's so, that same ratio. Yeah, it keeps going up. Three, 12, six, four, 16, eight, et cetera, as, as far as you can go. And then the other is rhythmic breathing. So that's diaphragmatic full breaths in and out six times. So breathing through your diaphragm. Oh, uh, all through your nose. That's right. Yes. Breathe in, in. Out, in, out, in, out. You do that six times. And then after the sixth time, you just hold. You're not breathing in. You're not breathing out as long as possible until you just can't handle it. And then you start again. And it's that holding that's most important. That's when the CO2 is building up in your blood. Right. And so in both of these, you're trying to build up the CO2 as much as possible in your blood. He did warn us, don't just directly hook yourself up to CO2. That's how you kill yourself. Right. And he said that'll help you relax faster. And everyone, uh, not everyone, but a few people seemed really confused by the CO2 technique. And he was like, okay, that's fine. You can do rhythmic breathing. That's simpler. That's fine. But just try it 15 times, okay? Right. <laughs> so then we, he said, choose whichever one you want. Both are fine. Or try them both, whatever you want. And we all laid down in our positions again, turned off the lights, and we were off. Yeah. And man, this one sucked for me. I was just. Oh, I liked this. I was way too in my head. Mm. I was next to you this time and I was worried about making too much noise. Uh-huh. I kept feeling the need to gulp, like my throat would feel dry. Uh-huh. So then I'd gulp and then like just sit there thinking about not gulping. Anyways, I wasted the whole session just like oh, sitting there thinking about my body and trying not to make noise. 
Oh, God. I was like, I'm going to do this at home later where I can only disturb my wife and she's used to it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I did both of them, and I did think that the rhythmic breathing was like a little easier. You're not doing any counting, but I didn't find the CO2 one hard. I mean, I tried those, but I was just thinking, oh, I'm a, I'm a guy in a room, and I could picture the room very clearly, and me in the right. room breathing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I was not having a mystical experience. Yeah, I, I wasn't having a very mystical one either, and the counting did, even but, though but I But you had a big success in this one. Right. Well, I was just going to say, though, uh, you, even though the counting wasn't hard math or anything, it does sort of keep you... Uh, in your head, you know, just you're doing exactly. math. Exactly, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, the success, though, was every time I would hold my breath after a while, I would feel my arms raise a little bit. It Ooh. felt as if they were physically raising off the ground like a good three quarters of an inch every time I would hold. Wow. Yeah, and it was only my arms, but it was every time, like clockwork, like I would breathe in, breathe out, nothing, but then as soon as I held, it would go... Like levitating. You know what I was just reminded of? My sister and I, we used to love doing this. We would stand in the door frames at our house growing up and just push like. Oh, uh-huh. I've yeah, seen we, people do that. Yeah, we'd have our palms face inward toward us and we'd just lift our arms up against the door frame, kind of the uh, backs of our hands pressed against them. Push as hard as you can for like 10 seconds and then you just walk out from the door frame and you feel your hands just kind of raise. Oh. Without any control. Just reminds me of that. That's kind of like when kids would push two rocks together and then like, and then release and then they felt like the rocks were like magnetic. Yeah. 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 All these fun little uh, physical phenomena. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I didn't get any further than that. But yes, it did seem like Eddie was really impressed with that. He was like afterward like, oh, that's great. You definitely had a partial OBE. And I was like, hmm, I've felt sensations like that before and just never connected them. But now that I know that those things are connected, I'm excited about it. And I'm hoping that I can push them further. And when I got home, I was excited to try them. And I've tried them maybe twice. And I haven't been able to replicate it. Well, I think we need to go back for CDP3. I do too. And I have my big old... Thousand page projectiology book. Whoo, get cracking. <gasps> Ross. Hi, Carrie. If we are successful at projecting, yes. then maybe by the time people hear this, maybe we've been projecting a lot and maybe we've been showing up in their houses and they already know. Ooh. You didn't think of that, did you? I did not think of that. Do you think it's possible? No. <laughs> Do you think it's likely? No. Do you think it's definite? Well, no, <laughs> you're asking these questions in the wrong certain? order. No, no. Do you think you, it's absolute? No, you need to start Do you there. Think for sure that's what's going to happen. Go the other direction. <laughs> On a scale of one to 10. <laughs> 20. <laughs> I agree. Okay. okay. All right. Well, that's it. That's it for our show, but not our investigation. No, sir. It will go on. Oh, and by the way, this is being released on my birthday. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. This is also Ian Kramer's anniversary, and he is our administrative manager. This episode is edited by Victor Figueroa. And by the way, this is also Ross's cat's birthday. Which is really the most significant (laughs) part of July 13th. (laughs) This is a running gag for us. Like we say, like, oh, well, it's Carrie's birthday. It's Ian's anniversary. But... It's evening's it's birthday. It's evening's fucking birthday. She's she's six. Oh wow! Congrats to her. And she's catching up to you. What were we talking about? Our oh. show. 
Yeah, you can uh, see photos and videos and stuff on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash onrack, O-N-R-A-C. Oh, and by the way, it's Friday the 13th. Spooky. Spooky. Yeah, go to Facebook because, you know, we've got cool stuff there. Yeah. Why aren't you there? Go there now. Maybe because of the Cambridge Analytica scandal. But did you think about how you could see our photos? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You, You can also like us on iTunes. Uh, you can leave reviews there, mm-hmm. and uh, those really help other people find the show. So that that is a way to help and support us. That's right. Another way to help and support us is to go to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate, D-O-N-A-T-E, and become a member and choose Ono, Ross, and Carrie as a show you listen to. And if you go to Greta.com, G-R-E-T-T-A.com, you can find us there and listen to our shows along with transcripts and then share quotes from the show. There's all kinds of fun interactive things you can do Hopefully there. out of context. Oh, please. Yeah. Leave context out of this. Uh, but also you can share it with your friends who uh, don't have uh, hearing capabilities. So many ways to use Greta.com. Greta.com. And remember... Cosmoethics is the extra-physical prime directive. Eddie. Hi, this is Jay Keith Van Stratton, host of Go Fact Yourself, here on the Maximum Fun Network. On Go Fact Yourself, we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. Oh, by the way, how much do you know about chicken husbandry? You gotta give them that grain. <laughs> All right. <laughs> gotta give them that grain. And then smart again. What future Hall of Fame pitcher for the Cleveland Indians became the first active player to enlist? Bob Feller. When- oh, okay. <laughs> We've got me... Co-host Helen Hong, plus celebrity guests and actual surprise experts. In the coming weeks, you can hear guests like Maria Bamford, Tom Bergeron, Paul F. Tompkins, Janet Varney, and Grant Imahara. And if you're in the New York area, come check us out live. We're doing two shows there on July 21st and July 22nd. Go to GoFactorPod.com for tickets and more. We'll see you in New York or on the first and third Friday of every month here on the Maximum Fun Network. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.